Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Svelte Radio. Today, we don't have another guest, but we do have some really fun news. Svelkit is in public beta. Woo! Ooh. But before we get started, we'll introduce ourselves. I'm Kevin. I run a site called Svelte School, and I work at a company called BuddyBase. I'm Sean. I guess I should post on Svelte Society Twitter for a living. Uh, and I, my side hustle <laughs> is I work at temporal.io. <laughs> Hi, I'm Anthony. I am the CTO of Bionk, which is a, a booking ecosystem for the tourism and leisure industry in the UK. And I am also a Svelte maintainer and Svelte kit maintainer, I guess, by Ooh. virtue. So we're getting information straight from the from the source here. The, the something I mean, the, the, yeah. the maintainers <laughs> of both, like they're they're essentially the same maintainers, right? Like it's it's one project. Well. Yeah, to an extent, there is a core maintenance team, but there's actually a few more people on Kit that aren't officially kind of maintainers, just because they've just had a specific kind of vision for something to happen, and and, um, and we found that valuable, so they've been added to the fray. And you know, they're kind of becoming maintainers because once you get involved, you kind of contribute to everything. And in fact, some of those have become fight maintainers as well, which is oh, that's interesting. Yeah, I guess there were were there like a couple of issues that needed to be solved in invite or feed or um, whatever you call it. Yes, there still are actually. There's a few issues in invite just because obviously it's quite new. It didn't really have SSR until Kit came along, so a lot of the SSR stuff has been provided by the Kit maintainers. Um, so yeah, it kind of made sense, I suppose. So what's new here? What's actually what does it actually mean to be in public beta? Because the, the repo's been open for like a, a week or two, maybe? But yeah. It's been, it's been closed, right? Or ra- rather, like, you, you can't comment, you can't open issues, you can't do PRs. It was closed yeah. to the barbarians. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so it's, so it's, I mean, it's interesting because there's a couple of uh, issues in there that have said stuff like, I can't remember the exact wording, but open it to the rabble, et cetera, et cetera. It's quite funny because people <laughs> dig around and find those. <laughs> Um, obviously, all minute jest. It's just quite amusing. So, so a public beta or beta to us kind of is. We wanted to do this earlier, but obviously, when you're trying to build something that's kind of on the edge and it's a bit new, you end up making a lot of pretty huge architectural changes. So we didn't want to give access to anything because by the time someone raised an issue, it might not even be the direction we're heading in anymore. So the first opening of the repo, so that people could actually see the code, the actual source code, was at the point where actually we ran out of GitHub build minutes because it was a private repository and you get limited. Oh, so that so, was a so, kind of... So that's why you open it up? That's, well, it's, it's not the reason, right? But it's it, it expedited by, by a couple of days, maybe. Yeah. But it's quite kind of funny to say that's the reason. But yeah, I mean, it basically was the reason. Um, <laughs> so... And so, within, yeah, so that, that within was, minutes, it was leaked online. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that that was to give people who'd been pining it, you know, chomping at the bit about, you know, getting getting a bit more access to viewing how it works underneath, so they can understand the issues they're seeing, could actually see that stuff. Um, again, it was something we probably wanted to make a longer period, just to get that feed that initial feedback without having to manage because. Once you open issues, you've got to start managing the issues and maintaining the issues, and they get open so fast. We've already gained 20 issues or something, and it's just another thing to keep on top of. So it was holding off that a little bit until we had complete clarity over how it worked and what it did and, and, you know, stopped some some huge major things or whatever that that were popping up. 
the beta is basically opening issues, you know, opening that and allowing feedback on actual issues and triaging and all that kind of stuff. And it's cool because a couple of people have actually jumped up to um, help us triage these issues. In fact, one of them is just called Jay. I don't know what the full name is, but thanks, it's Jay. Jacob, Jacob, I think. Is it? Uh, yeah, yeah, I think so. Oh, he's gone. He's the, the he's... name. That's really useful. <laughs> <laughs> he's the, isn't he the guy that made the uh, Svelte Adder stuff? So uh, the, we talk about Jacob Babich here. Yeah, is, isn't that the same guy? I don't know. I, I, that's news to me if it is. Maybe it is. I think so. But I might be wrong. I might be wrong. Oh, we're getting a look anyway. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, so, Kev, sorry, could, you were saying. No, I was just saying. So, so, so does this being in public beta mean that the APIs are kind of locked down, like they won't change too much, or what's uh, so? Three so and... yes and no. I actually changed the API yesterday. I did a PR oh. that removed utils. <laughs> well, I mean, it, it's sort of changing APIs. It's additive, right? So it's not. It's not like I've broken anything or removed anything. What I've done is I split the utils package, which was kind of. It became a kind of dump for some file system stuff and some HTTP stuff. We realized we really needed it only in two places and they were quite separate. So we moved the bits in for that into here, the bits for that to there. And the other thing about that is we, because we've kind of gone CommonJS to ESM for adapters and then back to CommonJS because certain providers can't, you know, oh. pass ESM stuff, you have to hmm. export and compile things differently when they're dependencies of the ESM or CommonJS projects. So all the adapters that were relying on the CommonJS stuff stopped working because they were in ESM and, and vice versa. Right. So anyway, that, that so that's a change and it's it's added some builder stuff to so it's added some some file system stuff to the builder. And wherever you want to use the HTTP stuff, you have to import it separately. So it is a, it is an API change of a sort, but it's not like Oh, you have to go and fix everything now. It's more additive, so you could use it from a different location. Yeah, but yeah, in terms of locking down the APIs, they're by no means locked down. Definitely not before we reach a you know kind of RC stage and start versioning properly. But they're pretty pretty good right now. There is discussions about how we and we'll probably talk about it later, but how middleware gets handled because people are missing Express middleware already and Polka middleware. Yeah. Um, so we're just having some discussions internally about how to resolve that. So how do, how do you actually get started with uh, Svelkit? Is how it, do you do get started? You yeah. npm you just init, start it next. Yeah. That's yeah. it. Oh, so easy. And so one discussion we had yesterday was that we're going to potentially remove the, the original Svelte template because it's easier for people, I think, if you have a single way in. So Svelkit should be the way that you build things in Svelte, whether it be a hybrid SSR SBA application, whether it be a PWA, whether it be an AMP site, whether it be a component, anything at all. The idea being that you'll use, always use kit, you'll always do the same command and it'll be that npm init create Svelte at next, sorry, npm, you know what I mean. Yeah. <laughs> it makes it easier for, for new newcomers to, to get started quickly, right? And yeah. you get the you get the like the blessed router, I suppose, right? Yeah, you do, and and, that and that's stuff. one thing that you know might be it might be a holdback because not everyone wants that route that router that yeah. router. So we um so we're considering options for that right now. Um, but yeah, if you've got a single way to do something, it makes a lot more sense, I think, for people. Um, if you've got a hundred different ways to start a project, you kind of get confused. So it's about keeping it simple. 
Yeah, I think it's a it's a great idea. Um, I would not maybe remove the template because it's still very useful for me to learn uh, where Svelte stops and where the other tooling begins. And I think, you know, that was one of the benefits of the original uh, Svelte template, which was right from the start, everybody could could see the Webpack or Rollup config. It's not hidden away from you, uh, yeah. which means that you know if you have a certain level of comfort with with these configs, then you can modify it yourself um, and have full control. So I appreciated that. Yeah, so that, yeah. that is one one concern. So what the plan, I think, is is maybe that the Svelte template will become um, an example project inside the Rollup plugin. Because effectively, that's that's the reasoning where you might want to use that template is if you want full control over the Rollup configuration stuff. Yeah. It's just it's just misleading as a kind of starter because it's not the recommended way that, that people start stuff now. Was there any debate over... Uh, the the amount that you scaffold out when you do npm init svelte at next because uh, something I noticed was you know you, you do uh, add like an option the optional svelte config dot cjs which is an interesting choice <sighs> but then <laughs> but then you don't add some op- some other you know pretty standard things like a error layout or other file formats that that maybe maybe scaffolded in like a, s- a standard sapper app. So yes, yeah, so there's, there's, there's a couple of things here. The, the first one is the CJS extension on the Svelte config. I believe that's due to a restriction in Visual Studio Code that it can't read ESM config files. That's what I was hearing yesterday that I understand. And, it, and it's something they've, I think, fixed. And so soon maybe we can drop that. So the other thing, the scaffolding. So when you create, obviously the, the goal is to keep to build as simple as possible. It's a bit more complex with Vite and stuff because, you know, we don't have much control really over what Vite does and builds out. And what it does is some pretty complex, like, wiring of stuff to make it a smooth experience. So whilst trying to keep it as simple as possible, we are also at the same time cognizant that it's a lot more than just cloning a a repo and it's not like a, a couple of lines anymore. And I think it's something we'll always look to address, but there's no guarantees yet. Um, in terms of what that template does from the get-go, it's a balance between making something where you've got an immediate option when you install, like you have with TypeScript and all that sort of stuff, where you declare what type of thing you're building. And it's a decision between that and also maybe when you build that one thing, it can do anything without having to say up front what you're building. So it's it's somewhere in, in the middle of those with a, with a goal to push as far as we can towards minimal setup in that CLI, and then you've got a, 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 something that can become whatever it needs to be. So have have you guys? I'm sure sh- I'm sure this has come up, but like, have you guys considered just having a CLI where you can initiate like a bunch of different types of projects, like a well, that, that's, or that's a regular it. one, or a, or maybe even a routeify one, or a LRJS or so we wouldn't we wouldn't build a CLI that that starts to build um, external projects because it puts the burden of maintenance for those projects upon us, which yeah. is something we, yeah, we definitely don't want. However, that would be a great project for a community um, person to do. But I think the other reason though is, and and you know, I'm not saying that people should always just use ours and not use any other things because I think LRJS and, and Routify are fantastic. But our goal is to provide something where you can build a Svelte thing with as little overhead of should I build, should I be using Ratify, should I be using 
elder, whatever else. The idea is to go from your keyboard to have a few characters and that you've got a, a svelte thing and it can be whatever it wants to be without having to decide up front what your architecture might look like. So we, we, we're more likely to move in that direction than, than trying to build a, here's a big sense. huge list of options that you can create. Are you, are you guys thinking about stuff like picking what adapters you want and things like that in the CLI? Or? Well, so the adapters is a weird one. They're intentionally simple so that it means you can build them. Um, there are a few adapters in there, which, for example, you know, is not particularly well known, the begin stack. But the reason I built that adapter was because I wanted to build an adapter, basically. So I built it for that one. I built I built the, the begin one. And they've kind of become blessed and internal and, and you know, supported by us. But it's just a, fact, a factor of when Kit started, I wanted to build adapters. We want to limit the number of adapters in there as much as we can, again, because of maintenance. But we have got some plans to support those adapters in that we'll actually deploy them to the requisite providers on every commit so that we know that they work. And we'll run some rudimentary tests, perhaps. There's, a, there's an issue discussing this right now, so yeah. feedback is welcome on that. Um, but yeah, we don't want to have like loads of adapters because it just becomes a bit nightmarish. Yeah. Okay, so speaking of issues, what kind of issues are still to be discussed or, or figured out other than this uh, well, particular one? The GitHub issues, GitHub issues are a good sort of indicator to, to the things we're discussing. One thing that's been currently discussed is the middleware thing. So people are obviously quite tied to middleware. SvelteKit's goal is to be completely serverless, like serverless first, um, where you can build for server full environment if you want to. These are kind of at odds, obviously, because middleware is, is a concept not at the adapter layer. It's more in the application. So there's a discussion now about how we handle a middleware type pattern, where the middleware, and this is, this is a view that I share with Rich, is that the middleware pattern that's been kind of influenced by express is not a very good pattern it's it's just not it's like a it looks like a hack and i've, I've always hated express but i've hated express for the same reason should uh, should this just, have been your unpopular opinion i, I mean <laughs> it, it, it could be like that's not a bad one actually i i hate express i'm just going to say that and it's mostly because of the, the request format right i don't like it but it is like the de facto standard it doesn't fit in with serverless because it doesn't really use that kind of middleware pattern it's it's kind of a raw handler yeah, so yeah the say that is how, sound, sounds like a hard problem to solve it, it is it is and it's been a discussion that i've seen for the last couple of days in the maintainers channel like you know how is this how are we going to solve this problem right so there's, there's people yeah. who, who are you know very want very much want to deploy on, on server full platforms which is totally kind of within the bounds of what svelgit does but we haven't made any special accommodations for doing that yet and I think the other one actually is maybe a personal thing with me that I don't know because I haven't had that much time to actually play with SvelteKit apart from writing as adapters. I've noticed that the way you install dependencies now, and I think it's due to Vite, it is very different to the way you did it in Sapper. So in Sapper, everything was dev and everything got bundled and you've got a bundled server and a bundled front end. Kit doesn't seem to do that. So when you install prod dependencies, you still need them there. So you, when you install dependencies, Sometimes you put them as prod and you need them still there when you're actually running the application because the handlers don't bundle those dependencies. Mm. I don't know whether that's something that the adapters should be doing. I don't know whether it's something that Kit should be doing. If we want to do it at all, I don't know. So it's there's, there's things like that that I guess will just be a learning a learning path and probably go in the, in the FAQs. I have some questions. I, I feel like you know we may have skipped through... You know, Obviously, people should read the docs, 
But I just wanted to do some introductions of like high-level concepts. Um, I think a lot of things ported over pretty nicely from Sapper. And there is a migration doc specifically for people moving from Sapper to uh, SvelteKit, which I, which I quite appreciated. I think there, there's some new concepts though, right? You know, there, there is some very fancy route matching of like uh, some, some logic of, of, you know, like if, if, uh, if, you, if you request a route, this is kind of like the resolution logic that, that kind of goes on there. Um, uh, there is a concept of a session, uh, which maybe came from Sapper, but I'm just not very familiar what a session is. Uh, and I was just, you know, wanted to step through some of the big concepts that you think uh, might be relevant to discuss on Swalkit. Yeah, so I mean, with those two in mind specifically, so the, the root matching thing is in Sapper, obviously file system roots are defined by their file name. So parameters are defined by putting brackets in there and you can do some sort of rudimentary regex. It has its limitations. Um, we don't want to move away from file system routing, but we would want to make it a bit more powerful than it currently is. So there are some experiments, I would call them experiments right now. What do we break? And it's, you know, it's very rich again. What do we break if we do this? Uh, rather than, oh, if we might break things. It's more like we're going to do it and what, what are we breaking here and how can that be worked around? So the idea being to enhance uh, regex matching a bit so you can have more dynamic routes. And there's already a pretty angry uh, Svelte Reddit thread on it, I believe, oh, that I've been really? applying in. <laughs> yeah, well, about, about, you know, it breaks IntelliJ, so therefore it's a bad thing. And my responses on there have been basically... That's not how we work. Like, if your tooling can't cope, don't use the tooling, right? And, and, and I like it, I can tell you, I think it's a fantastic tool. But, you know, everything has limitations. And if it has limitations with file names, then let's fix IntelliJ. Let's not break, let's not cripple our own um, output. Let's not stop us having features that we want or we think are valuable because tool XYZ that 10% of people use, or even if it's 90% of people use, can't cope with it. As long as the underlying file systems on, on Linux and Windows and Mac can handle it, then it should be a candidate for something we include. Um, so yeah, so, the, so I think the goal is to make that, that regex a bit more powerful than it is so that you can do some pretty cool stuff with it. And the other thing, Sean, you mentioned, sorry, I've, it's kind of session now. stuff, I yeah, think. Yeah, sessions. sessions. Um, am I supposed to, what, what am I allowed to do that, with that? It's, that sounds very powerful. <laughs> well, so the... <laughs> So the session store in in Sapper was just a like a regular session store. It's just a regular store, right? That you can populate as part of your server. Yeah, you, know, you can precede it from the server. It's special in that it's a server side store that you can populate, which will then appear in your client without any extra effort. And the idea was it handles stuff that lives in your browser as long as you're within the bounds of the SPA and you're clicking around. If you refresh that set that session store again needs to be preceded from the server side. So if you're going to put something in that session store in SEPA and you don't do it at the server side, if you don't worry about it at the server side, then it's going to get cleared if you refresh or you know something else happens. Um, now, what, what's changed in the kit version, I couldn't really tell you. What I can say is it's a bit more, uh, it's getting a bit more use than the one in SEPA did. The one in Sapper had some pretty obvious omissions, I believe, that should have been it should have been useful. Um, it wasn't as powerful as we wanted, and so the kit one is now 
properly usable for authentication and stuff like that. So that's that's the changes that I know is that we're making, we're kind of formalizing it and, and deciding what it is based on feedback. Whether it's a finished spec yet, I don't know. And how different it is to what was in SEPA, I, I also don't know, unfortunately. The, the, the reason it jumps out at me is uh, typically you don't do sessions with serverless, right? If, if, if the whole right. premise of SvelteKit was to move to serverless, um, then sessions is a bit un- uh, unusual. Uh, Begin does actually have concept of sessions that that is pretty easy to use but I don't think the other platform providers support that very easily and you would have to no. wire it up wire up something special on the back end I, I don't know I haven't thought through thought this so, I just it just jumped out at me as like hey serverless we don't really do sessions here <laughs> yeah so so again it was easy with Sapper to build a stateful application although I'd always recommend against building a stateful application the session again it's like it exists in the server, but really it's not something we would say is persisted. It's not so where you should store the user's authentication. It's more where you store a kind of a token or a, a something that says they're authenticated, like a flag almost. And then your, your state is managed by JWT or something else that's designed for um, authentication in a stateless application. So yeah, it's, it's a weird naming. It's more akin to like a browser session, I would say, than a server-side authentication session. It's like a session store in your browser, right? That's also called session, but it's not really a session. <laughs> it's a session within your browser. As if things are not confusing enough. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> so there's this, there's this thing uh, called setup in the, in the documentation where I think you can do stuff like, it do, does seem to, to, do, to do something with sessions. So that sure that I've I've not seen the setup method at all actually, but I would assume that that's equivalent to what we had in um, Sapper before, which was the like um, the server.js file. Yeah, the, and the client.js file. So it's where you can precede these stores from your mm-hmm. server side. So my cookies, for example, are not readable from the browser. They only exist in the server. In the sorry, they're not from the browser. They only exist as HTTP-only secure cookies. So the only thing that can read them is the browser itself. Um, so I have to read those cookies in the in the server side. So I assume that's that's probably the same thing that setup has access to those cookies that aren't readable by JavaScript effectively. Yeah, yeah that does look like something like that. Um, I've got more. Um, what, what's the what's it, the dollar signs? <laughs> dollar signs. So, you know, money, it, money, this money. is a weird one. <laughs> yeah. It's very this is a weird up. one. Because the dollar's been been used to kind of demarcate internal stuff, right? And I think it still does. So, that, so the dollar is saying that something is kind of a concept of of, of kit rather than, oh, you know, something the user sense. should be defining. And we've ten, we tended to use double dollars for kind of more internal concerns as well. So it's a weird one, and I I don't know what the decision process was behind it, but historically, Rich has been very against aliases. Um, so all this kind of Rollup plugin alias, I think it's called, and the Webpack equivalent. Oh yeah, I, I think where, I remember. I remember a discussion about the because that was the same uh, thing in Sapper, right? You imported like from source node modules. What was it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah. people got really, really upset about that. <laughs> yeah, and they're, and they're saying why don't you use aliases? And the, and the reason is the logic is sound, right? We have a we already have an aliasing system built into Node into JavaScript, which is. Um, you know, node modules, the node modules resolution algorithm. 
So why not leverage that? It makes a lot of sense. It's a weird one because people have very much in their minds tied node modules to being part of NPM and it's not. Um, but yeah, so that that was logical then. And and it's still logical now, but I think I think it started when, when we were using Snowpack. Snowpack is very heavy on aliases and mount points. And I think they're unavoidable because of the way that Snowpack is actually structuring your application, you know, because it's in dev, it's not loading from a bundle. It's 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 not pre-bundling. It's just loading stuff off, off your file system. So kind of everything becomes an alias at that point. Is, is that so the kind of, same in, in V? Well, yeah. So so I think it's the same sort of thing. It doesn't have, it's not quite as explicit as Snowpack was, um, but everything obviously is still loaded off your file system. It's all virtual in the browser, the virtual paths. So map points are kind of implicit and so therefore it makes kind of sense to use them. So I think we've now gone to the point where we call it aliasing. It's it's aliasing with a good reason because we literally can't use the module require system. Um, I don't know the exact reasons behind it, but that's that's what I understand. So yeah, the dollar things are just named named repositories of, of files. So like components or we call it dollar lib now because it's not necessarily components in there. So having a default one called dollar components seemed like a misleading thing yeah yeah i think so i think routify also uses dollar for for example for the layout files yeah that makes sense yeah i think it's just uh it's nice i think i think raspberry does does some magic with a dynamic it builds a dynamic routing thing in a folder somewhere and then it gets yeah. bundled at the end so again that, that's a good reason for a mount point right because it's not it's not something real at the time of dev <laughs> right yeah <laughs> but it is real or is it i don't know why i said the time of dev and not dev time, but hey. <laughs> time of dev it, it felt if maybe it felt good because like we're talking about things that aren't really real you know it's like the time yeah. of dev it's like game of thrones stuff <laughs> it's, it's when you it's when you go to work it's, it's, the time, yeah. it's time of dev <laughs> time of dev it is <laughs> yeah so I, I wanted to talk a bit about um the svelte radio website I've I've been tinkering around with it for the last few weeks, and uh, it's been horribly broken, and then working, and then horribly broken. So so now I'm talking about the the Svelkit version. So it's been I've been like using the I think Svelkit since version maybe twenty, like the next twenty version. Yeah, now it's at sense. like fifty something. It's at sixty maybe, and it's 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 been getting more and more stable. I remember in the in the beginning I I had a lot of issues, but now it's been working pretty well. It's 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 a lot of fun to to build with. There are some like kinks that you have to figure out, um, but yeah, it's it's been great. It's it's going to yeah, be great to I've, release it as well. <laughs> <laughs> I've started building my um, potential summit talk. I say potential because who knows how far time or not, but my potential summit talk uh, in Kit and. Yeah, like the development experience now is pretty straightforward. If you want to build an application, it's it's a couple of commands and you're done. Um, the thing I've run into, the thing I mentioned before about dependencies, I've still got to figure out what exactly that is and how that works. Because I'm using, yeah, I, I tend to use some of these libraries which are very much common JS, and obviously Vite is very ESM focused and Kit is very ESM focused. So you're going to find some issues when you're trying to import common JS libraries. Um, there's no amount of plugins and rollup plugins that can actually fix every common JS library. But the ones I've imported that ESM have worked pretty well, sort of out of the box. So 
Yeah, there'll be kinks. There'll be there'll be things we just need to document that maybe are more obvious to us and not obvious to everyone else. For sure, for sure. So the the thing I, I've been missing for actually from Routify is is the the concept of all the like the helper functions that are in Routify. I don't know if you've uh, you've actually seen those. I've seen a couple of them. Yeah, around so, around around routing. So it's actually. Yeah. So yeah. So it's basically just like getting the current page or the parent page or stuff like that, which is pretty nice. I don't know if that's possible or even something that you want to have in the actual SvelteKit router as a feature. Well, there was there was discussion around this. We've still got the page store, the dollar page store, and there's a few people who who just are just very happy with the dollar page store and dot split right split by forward slash. Yeah. Um, now, there are also a bunch of people who think that we should have uh, more of a an object structure for how that works. So you can still access all that stuff, which is great, but you also get access to perhaps a, an object which contains the individual components of that URL, um, how to call the parts and all that sort of stuff, and what's a segment and what's a subpath and everything else, how to handle parameters. That's kind of all undecided, but I think... It's it's an an idea we're toying with of how to how to improve that so that it's kind of easy to access without having to do your own splitting, but at yeah. the same time it's also it's, it's that delicate balance between making something all singing or dancing and making something just raw and simple so it's easy to understand and predictable and you can do what you need to do in your own way because it's kind of also subjective based on the person implementing. Yeah, definitely, I've got a I'll I'll just shout out one feature which I appreciate. We don't really need to talk that much about it, but we, there's a SvelteKit prefetch attribute that is new, I think. And it, I think it's just an easy thing to um, tack on to, to any anchor links to make the to increase the perceived performance. And it's just it's just a great addition. So people should definitely check that out. And it's it's not like a banner feature of, of SvelteKit, but it's just a really nice thing to have. It's like one of those small yeah. useful things. It actually works in, in two ways as well. So it works on mobile. Um, because there's actually a slight delay between you touching a link and, and opening a link on a mobile. There's the, the, it doesn't immediately open that link when you touch it. So a prefetch even tries to start loading the page the moment your finger touches the screen, which is pretty cool. Oh, right. That sounds like, uh, what, what's the thing in, in, isn't that a Ruby and Rails thing that was released? Uh, like very ago? possibly. Yeah, Turbo? very possibly. Yeah. Turbo links or something? No, 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 no. Uh, hotwire. No, hotwire, hotwire. Hotwire. Okay. Hotwire. Um, that makes sense. Is this basically an action? Should we just use the action syntax rather than the? <laughs> um, yeah, I, th- I do. I do vaguely remember a discussion around that as well, but I don't remember what the outcome was. But I think the outcome was basically it's not an action. <laughs> oh, right. yeah, fair enough. Um, I, I'm sure there's a good reason. Uh, there's a rel equals external, which I don't understand. So the docs probably need some work. Do you, Do you understand this? I'm not I trying don't... to put you on the spot. Yeah. Okay. No, I don't understand it per se, but I do know there's a difference. So if you link to, uh, if you mark an internal URL as external, it will actually reload the page when you click it, I believe. If you mark an external URL as external, I remember not doing it, and I think something might have broken when I did that. I had I had some width, so I had some width, that's what it was, I think, right? So I have on my main domain, I have some aliases, like uh, URL rewrites that are in the cell. Um, so they look like part of the application, but they're not part of the application. So if I don't oh, mark those links as external, Sapper thinks they're part of the application because it's using you know single page application routing, mm. and it will try and load it 
by doing internal routing, but it's not part of the application. Right, so if I've got example.com, blah, it's not part of the application, it points to some other application. SAP sees that link, it's like, oh, that's an internal link, I'll, I'll write that into my router. I'll, I'll um, break everything. And it, and it will break everything, right? <laughs> yeah, that's that's what happened, that's that's what it was, that's what it was, and it was quite, yeah, it seems very odd because why can't SAP just handle that? But I think in order to, for SAP to determine if it's external or internal, would add a delay anyway. So it's, it's probably an optimization, but it works. Yeah. Okay, well, that, that explanation made more sense than what's in the docs, so we should... Yeah, maybe it's in the docs, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, think that's, I think that's reasonable. You just reminded me of one more kit thing I should mention um, okay. that's, that's actually quite a deviation from SAPA, thankfully. thankfully. So in SAPA, the base URL is something that was set at build time. This means that you can't build a site for that will be able to... Subdomains. Yep. Well, not subdomains, because that works, but subpaths. Subpaths. Right. So we have a lot of providers that want slash experiences with experiences underneath and we can't do it right now. So the idea with Kit is we're going to make it into a potentially an environment variable. So you can pass it in at runtime. So you can pass it in your environment. And I think this is actually also essential for IPFS support. I wrote a very rudimentary IPFS adapter. It's just a node adapter with an extra line. It's very simple, which is quite cool. But I never I never put it in the code base because it's just something to maintain that we don't need. However, it uses subpaths as part of its build process, I think, and so and they're dynamically generated, so you can't, you know, you don't know what that's going to be at build time. So, yeah, it's certainly one on our. It's on. It's in the issues. It's one of our things that we're going to make a dynamic base path, and I think that'll be welcomed by a lot of people, especially yeah. me. Is isn't that also a thing for internationalization? I think it's usually something yes. that people. There's a lot more complexity to it than just having a subpath. Um, there's been a lot of discussion on the issue on SAPA. Hopefully we can take some of that on board and make it, you know, a thing that's really workable for the spell kit. But I don't know in depth to say whether this solves it or not. Yep. Yeah. I'm pretty I'm pretty interested in internationalizing the docs because Svelte has a pretty decent global community and there's some energy there. Yeah. Uh, if we if we let them loose just translating things, I think it would uh, increase the the adoption in, in various countries. And that's that was a big move for for Vue when when they um, uh, internationalized for for China. Yeah, which actually brings us to uh, there there may be a spinoff project to 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 write docs or, which is something I suggested. <laughs> Interesting. Uh, well, no, for for you for you, I, I, we we talked about this. Oh, did we? Yeah. Well, my then, memory's, you know, my memory's shot. For, for Svelkit stocks, you know, there's essentially you essentially have to build a static site generator for for docs. Oh, and I was like, why, why don't yes. we just like extract this and then make this like the default docs tooling for all Svelte projects, right? Like, yes. Yeah. And I think that's that's what we're doing. The sites uh, repository is is exactly that. There's some more work to do to build an API for it. Um, now, I, I'm not going to guarantee that this provides an easy route to an international A18N. <laughs> and the reason the reason that it doesn't is because it's not so much about the willingness of volunteers, it's the maintenance of such. If we have docs in multiple languages, there's a real burden of maintenance on the individual contributors to those docs to keep them in line with what we've written. If we have outdated docs in China that say the wrong thing, we're not going to know about that because we, we don't read Chinese, right? You don't be any of any of these languages, and so it's it's a huge problem for us in that you know we we we're fearful that we'll bless something, we'll have something official that isn't correct and true. So the the real the real thing is how do we ensure that the maintenance is going to be optimal? Uh, we can't guarantee any of these contributors that are doing it that they'll not lose interest after a month and disappear. 
So, so yeah, it's it's a huge sort of more like a logistical problem than anything else. Um, and it's certainly not for lack of wanting to have translations. It's more maintenance, it's um, yeah. contributors. It's, it's difficult to, to do that, I guess. Um, actually, I, could, I, was, I was just going to say, I could imagine a dedicated tool that uh, sort of draws as a data source um, from the English version and then you yeah. know, has a translation that's true of as, as of a certain hash. And all the subsequent hashes, all the subsequent edits that come in um, you know, you could sort of display them and say, like, these have not been translated yet, and anyone who comes along can can help to patch it up if they want to, or if you know they can read the the translated version up to a certain point in time and then see the dips in English. Yeah, I, I, I think it's a great idea. It's complex. There has to, to be uh, has to be like tools for this, right? You'd as far as I know, no one does so. this. It's, it's just so. kind of very very manually uh, translated by <laughs> by dedicated community members, and uh, it's not. Yeah. It's just not very good, but um, something's better than nothing. Maybe, yeah, maybe, maybe the org could uh, use some of the open collective money if if we could find like a like a company that solves this problem. That might be worth using it's money for. Possible, yeah, it's possible. That's probably not a bad way to spend it. Actually, might be worth. I don't raising. know if there are any companies like that, but <laughs> I mean, there's there's got to be translation companies, right? Yeah, but the, the I, mean, is, I meant more like the like the actual infrastructure around it because you kind of need oh. you kind of need the expert like the the expertise of using Svelte to actually understand what the mm. what the meaning of 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 the docs are sometimes. You do so. So one interesting thing. So I think for the Russian translation because the Russian translation actually exists on our domain um, and it's maintained by the guy who wrote Tinro, so Alex. So he. He's written a, a GitHub webhook, I think, that receives every single uh, change we make to the docs repository and pings him to retranslate it. Now, again, there's still a dependency on him to then translate every single one of those yeah. um, that come through. But that's certainly a step in the right direction if there was, say, a way of collecting these up so that community members could translate and then people could approve them, maybe. Yeah, definitely. Awesome. Um, well, cool. Uh, you know, there, there's a lot more that we haven't touched upon, but um, sure. this is this is a, a, <laughs> this is a this is an incredible project. Uh, the community has been very excited about it, and um, congratulations on shipping a public beta. Thanks, <laughs> thanks for being here. Right. So, so uh, unpopular opinions. Uh, yeah. Shall I go first? Yes, go for it. So the, this is this is said with a bit of jest, but it's just caused me a lot of pain, and it always does cause me a lot of pain. Daylight savings time should be abolished. Um, there is actually Agreed. a protest somewhere. It's been going a long time, a petition sort of thing to actually abolish it. I'm not sure I like it because I do quite enjoy having that extra hour and, and having more light in the day, especially in, in often dreary England. But yeah, just as a kind of stamp my foot, have my pitch for it, whatever. Um, <laughs> I think daylight savings time should be abolished. What What if we went further and uh, so so actually so to to complete that thought, I actually recently learned that uh, daylight savings times actually kills kills people because you know if you have a you have a, a timer somewhere, whether it's like a heart pacer or uh, like a traffic light that's just kind of off or whatever, it yeah. people die from it, and and there there are documented cases wow. in the U.S. at least. Um, so people are trying to get rid of uh, they I think they're gonna. They, they call it ditch the switch and there's 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 momentum at the state level two out of the 50 states don't have 
the DST, and about yeah. 13 more states are trying to remove it. But you have to get congressional approval, and Congress is not Good doing luck. anything. <laughs> yeah, I know. So, <laughs> um, so the, the more aggressive version of this is just get rid of time zones, right? What if everyone was just on yeah. the same 24 hour clock and we were just on GMT? That would, that would or whatever. be great. That not would mean that certain countries are just oh. in darkness all the time. <laughs> that would be so nice. <laughs> no, you just you just have different norms, right? Like, I mean, there yeah, was a time yeah, yeah. there was a time before time zones, and what if there was a time after time zones? Yeah, you would just be like you would just be on on Sean clock, right? <laughs> well, GMT would be it would be, uh, be very favorable to Europe. Um, yeah, that's true. That's true. Um, all right. Yeah. Anyway, what what's your what's your unpopular opinion, Sean? Uh, Facebook has good features, and I miss them. <laughs> so, <laughs> Ridiculous. So, so you, you you need to elaborate here. What, what, why are you missing them, and and why? I, I wanted an I wanted an old photo of myself. Uh, Twitter doesn't keep old profile pictures. Yeah. Gmail doesn't keep old profile pictures. The only one that does is is Facebook. GitHub doesn't yeah. keep old profile pictures. So you want to time travel? Hmm. The only the only thing you can do is is go to Facebook, and. Uh, huh. Yeah, Facebook. You know, they they know they did social, they did some social media right. Yeah. Uh, I asked this question on Twitter, and uh, the other the, the other top thing that people a lot of people miss is pokes. Like you just randomly poke everybody. Oh right, <laughs> yeah, really. Those were the days. <laughs> I love uh, <laughs> so we should bring back pokes. Um, and, and then, like you know, once you start down this path, then you're like, actually, you know, there, there was Facebook wasn't all bad, you know. <laughs> yeah, it, it definitely became bad over time, didn't it? Yeah, kind of what 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 happens when you gotta squeeze all the money out of your users? In, uh, fun in some fact: way. I've actually been fired for uh, for updating a, a Facebook status before. Oh wow! Uh, really? really? Yeah, yeah. Um, it was a relationship status because I, I was a RA in college, um, and then I started dating one of my residents, which you're not supposed to do, of course. Um, oh. And uh, and we, we, it wasn't supposed to be like a public announcement or anything, but like, oh no, I, I just like <laughs> was like just like randomly toying with it. I don't know what was what was hap- what I was thinking, but I just like randomly clicked and then. Um, you know, made that relationship public. Like everyone was cool with it. It was just wasn't official. But once it was Facebook official, then oh. the administration got involved, and and the, and then wow. and then we had to uh, do things. But um, it was it was a really fun funny situation. <laughs> That's crazy. Yeah. All right. My 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 unpopular opinion: Clubhouse isn't as fun as it used to be, or rather, <laughs> isn't as fun as I hoped it would be. I haven't used it in a while. Um, maybe that's on me, though. I don't know. What do you guys think? Uh, oh, I don't know. I haven't Likewise. used it in a while. Sorry, Sean. Likewise, um, I, I, there was even a there was even discussion about having like a Svelte Society clubhouse, and I think that's kind of gone. Um, yeah, tech. It was it was pretty hot in February, and then uh, you know, as as these things do, they, they they do tend to die off. But this has happened to clubhouse before. It has been hot, and then it died, uh, and then it came back. So we'll see we'll see we'll see what it is i think i think it has value for some people and then some people just don't vibe with it and that's fine so, i have primarily been there for the celebrities so uh the moment that i found that you know the people that i wanted they all record their their sessions anyway on youtube or whatever um, right. then there's no there's no reason to stick around a clubhouse yeah it makes sense interesting i didn't know that yeah so i mean for me like i haven't used clubhouse in ages but i haven't done much in ages apart from work to be fair I guess the thing that struck me was I mentioned on Twitter that, you know, uh, Twitter launched Spaces, which is effectively the same thing, looks very similar. I was under the understanding that they cloned Clubhouse, but actually apparently they started building Spaces before 
Clubhouse was even conceived. So to be fair to them, like, well done. Um, but what I will say is that Spaces already looks far more interesting, more for me because I've, I already have a follower kind of following on, on Twitter. Um, and apparently when you join one of these uh, Spaces on Twitter, and I haven't done it yet, I haven't had time, but when you do, people people flood into those into those chats much more quickly than they do on Clubhouse. And again, it could be about followers, counts and things like that, but um, it could just be that it's a platform that's already on your phone and you don't need to have a separate application that sends you 400 notifications a day. Who knows? Yeah. All right. So uh, do we have time for picks? Briefly, cool. I think, yeah. 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 So yeah. I'll go ahead and mine. So my Over. pick is home things. So I really don't like... That they say it themselves, shipping water is is bonkers, right? There's no need for us to ship cleaning products in massive bottles full of mostly water with a bit of cleaning products in it, right? So what HomeThings does is they just ship a concentrated tablet and you put it in just regular tap water that doesn't need shipping. Um, and then they give you the bottles that you can reuse again and again because they're made of glass and they've got like nice nozzles and stuff on them. They've got three tablets, one for the bathroom, one for the shiny things. It says just literally called shiny things and one for kind of everything else. <laughs> and yeah, so they ship you the tablets in a little tiny box in recyclable packaging that's, that's eco-friendly. I think it's compostable packaging. No water needs to be shipped, done. Then you buy the bottles once and that's it. Mm-hmm. And this it's right cool. now, it's it's very cool, right? But right now it's more expensive than, well, it's or the same price as buying at supermarket, but they're a startup. As, as time goes on and they get more popular, hopefully it'll go down. But yeah, the shipping... Imagine how many bottles of water people just ship around the world because it's got some cleaning product deleted in it. It's just ridiculous. So, yeah, I saw it on Facebook, and it's rare for a Facebook ad to actually have something of value, but it did. So um, so there you go. Oh, no, Home we're things. becoming a pro-Facebook podcast. <laughs> I mean, I, I, pro, well, it's not pro, this is definitely not pro-Facebook. <laughs> this, is, this is a rare exception, right? The, the, the broken, a broken clock tells the time twice, tells the right time twice a day. That is true. <laughs> All, right. All right. So yeah. my pick. Yeah. So I, I mentioned I, I've been building the Svelte Radio site, right? And so I originally started building it using Tailwind, but then I ditched Tailwind and I uh, started using just uh, regular old CSS. And, no. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I fell in love with this uh, feature of CSS called Clamp. Have you guys used it? It's it's like I a. Haven't. Yeah, I haven't. Yeah. So but like, I heard it, about it. Yeah. It's so so the sh- the short. Uh, is pretty much that it lets you set a minimum and minimum value and a maximum value and then a value in between and the whatever it is can't go above or beyond beyond that and I'm using it both for for fonts and for spacing stuff so it's it's re- it's a really nice way of of building re- responsive designs basically it's really nice yeah, so re- uh, responsive typography is one of those uh, things yeah. where you used to need a bunch of tricks. I actually collected a bunch of these things. Um, yeah. And there, there is some recommendation for how to do it right um, because you can get it wrong. And so I'm just going to copy and paste uh, my code snippet into the show notes here so uh, people don't get it wrong because apparently there's some accessibility issues if you, if you do get it wrong. Um, mm, yeah. Okay, well, uh, any, anything else? You want to talk about custom properties? Uh uh, no, so I'm using it in combination with custom properties to do gotcha. some some fun stuff. But does it work in IE11, which is dying in August? Well, by the way, I, d- I don't really care, honestly. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, I'm, I'm tracking the slow death of IE11, and I, I really, really think this is the year. I, I think this is yeah. the year the U.S. government <laughs> might drop IE11. It's it's yeah, coming really, really yeah. quickly. Um, Fam- famous last words: WordPress is dropping <laughs> it. 
WordPress. Oh, okay. Oh, that, that will kill it for sure, right? Yeah. Well, you know, they kill it for content sites, but the, the, the reason people use Stick Around Value 11 is for like, you know, their enterprise legacy apps and all yeah. that. So. Anyway, uh, last one, my, mine, which is uh, Smashing Magazine's Complete Guide to Accessible Front-End Components. Uh, I've always wanted nice. something like this. Uh, it, it previously was available as a, as a book, um, and, and now it's just available as a free guide. So uh, you no longer have an excuse if you're implementing one of these things. Just stop by here, uh, make sure that you, you're, you're checking all the accessibility boxes, um, copy and paste some code, and you're good. That's Very good cool. Too. I need to use this for Swat Radio. I've actually, right. I've actually had a had a dream of like uh, building a component kit for myself uh, in Svelte and Tailwind uh, because I like Tailwind. Um, and and people just copy and paste, and you just have a, a good base, you know. And I think it'd be a nice thing to open source. So it's a dream. Uh, I haven't done yeah. it yet. <laughs> just need a, a little bit more time in the day. <laughs> All right, so that's us uh, cool. this time. Yeah, I guess uh, I guess that's go it. play yourself kit. Yep. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Do it. Try it out. All right. Bye. Bye.